Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charjon Simmons. Welcome into episode 82. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Well, college football is still kind of in one piece for now. We uh, last week did the podcast, talked about all the realignment stuff. We were like, by the time you're listening to this, it's all going to be outdated and college football might not exist. We might not have said that to those extreme terms, but we were feeling like we were in the thick of it last time or this time last week. And now it's a little bit steadier. So, Christian, with that, how are you? How are you feeling? I feel like I just have to take one more victory lap like I did last week for all of you very, very nice fans basically attacking me for suggesting that the Big 12 might not be able to raid the Pac-12, which I said immediately after realignment happened with USC and UCLA. And now like, hey, look at that. We're like a week and a half in and it is looking like nothing else is going to happen in the near future. So crazy how, you know, how dare I, again, how dare I tweet something that is not perfect for UCF. I know it's, I'm honestly like, I've gotten into it with fans of many different fan bases. I've gotten into it with UCF fans plenty of times. That annoyed me more than any interaction I've ever had with UCF fans on Twitter was really? being made fun of for saying that the Big 12 probably couldn't raid the Pac-12. Such a pessimist. Well, it's I, I just I really do get like, A, like I, I'm not like some expert here or anything. I'm just a guy who reads a lot of stuff. But like most I feel like it's safe to say that most fans do not understand even remotely how real life works. Like just think like just have really stupid notions of what determines this stuff or like just doesn't understand like it's like oh like you're seeing that UCF fans are a little more like aware of it just because UCF's always like hanging on the edge of their seat for real time to figure out how it's going to affect them but like some of the stuff these other fan bases think is going to happen like to their teams like all these ACC schools are like well so what's a grant of rights what's that we'll just leave like we'll just go to the SEC and it's like hey <laughs> I'm sorry Virginia Tech but the SEC just does not want you in their conference and second, a grant of rights is a binding agreement that means you cannot leave your damn league without leaving your TV rights behind until the mid-2030s. But all of that to say, I just, again, thank you all of you who were just making fun of me because I suggested that something good might not happen for UCF, but whatever. So just like to recap where we're at now, the Big 12 and Pac-12 are still kind of figuring it out. Something might happen. I might look like an idiot and next week, you know, a bunch of Pac-12 teams leave. But it really, the Big Ten's waiting on Notre Dame. Notre Dame doesn't want to make a decision anytime soon, which means right there, the Big Ten's probably not going to do anything for the next year or so. The SEC has kind of implied they don't want to do anything. If they don't do anything, there's not really a motivation for anyone else to do anything. There's no motivation for Colorado, the Arizona schools, or Utah to leave the Pac-12 if Oregon and Washington aren't leaving. So I think if I had to make a prediction right now, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to expand, which sucks for like Boise State or San Diego State or Fresno State or UNLV. I think they're just going to stick at 10. I don't think there's anyone in the Mountain West who adds value to their TV deal, and that's really all that matters at this point and from the big 12's perspective like barring like doing something crazy to try to get Oregon and Washington to come like being like hey we'll let you come and we'll if you join our league we'll let you out of your grant of rights if the big 10 comes calling or something crazy like that there's just no motivation for the other teams to come like they're not going to leave if Oregon and Washington are the Pac-12 so maybe college football isn't going to end maybe we're still going to have five leagues and and we're actually going to maybe get a playoff decision in like a year or so here which I, that's the reports is that's what notre dame is waiting on is to see what the playoff format is going to be and i know i'm just talking like i'm going off the rails now but 
I, as I do with this topic, but what's interesting is so Notre Dame's waiting to see what the playoff format will be, because if they have access to a playoff as an independent, they can get a ton of money. Their TV deal is about to come up and they can sign their own TV deal and get a ton of money. So it's really just ensuring they have access to the playoff. That would imply that it's in the Big Ten's best interest to try to make it a Big Ten SEC only playoff to force Notre Dame to join. But what's interesting is it's actually now in the SEC's best interest to not have that because the SEC does not want Notre Dame to join the Big Ten. So that actually now we might have the SEC and all the other leagues say, hey, the playoff needs to have access for everyone. I don't think it's going to be as much access as we would have gotten if they'd signed off on the 12-team playoff last offseason, but access is access. Which like they should have get, done. Which they should have. It was re- incredibly dumb they didn't. But even if we get like a 12-team, te- I think it's going to be 12 teams. And even if we get 12 teams and like they say that four conference champs automatically get in, even that is enough to, you know, keep college football from just becoming two super leagues. So. Yeah, which I mean, it's something you just said that interested me. That it's kind of sad is not going to happen. Is the pack like Pac twelve is not going to expand? I don't want them to expand by like rating the Big Twelve. I think it would be cool and just like from a fun perspective to add Boise State and San Diego State. But I mean, like, like you said, it doesn't really add a ton TV wise. Because I mean, like boys and Boise, I can't imagine is a good TV market. But I feel like I was like, oh, San Diego. But I was like, how big is San Diego State in San Diego and in California? Well, and and what you just said is the nail on the head, because 10 years ago, all that mattered was market. Like for the Big Ten adding Maryland and Rutgers, it didn't matter that Rutgers has no presence in the New York market because it got the Big Ten network into the New York market. And that was worth a huge amount of money. Same with Maryland and the DMV area. Now it matters not just your market, but how prevalent you are in your market. And San Diego State, I'm not like trying to diss San Diego State, again, because fans always take this stuff super personally, but it's just, they're just not prevalent in that market. And Boise State, as great of a program as that is, still without a doubt, historically the best group of five program ever. They just don't move the needle from a TV perspective. And you look at like Boise State, like if Boise State got invited to the Pac-12 tomorrow, I think they are probably running or close to running that league within a few years. Like there's nothing on field stopping them from being successful, but it's just the Pac-12 would be distributing less money to its members if Boise State was getting a cut of the pie than if they just stick at 10. So they're just going to stick at 10. Kind of funny how it is that those two programs or like schools respectively is like San Diego State is like San Diego is probably a good TV market, but they're not prevalent enough in their market. Boise State's prevalent enough in their market, but their market is just a tiny market. So it's just that, like that's why UCF was always near the top of these lists because you're in Orlando, which is a big TV market. UCF for the past like 10 plus years now has been the primary college football team in their market. Sure, or Florida and Florida State have a presence in Orlando, but UCF is very big in Orlando. They have a really big fan base that's young and active and buys stuff. They have they UCF gets pretty good TV ratings, which is something that unfortunately a lot of the Mountain West teams can't say. So UCF is always this perfect combo. The only reason San Diego State could maybe get consideration is like it is going to hurt the Pac-12 that they have no access to recruiting Southern California talent anymore. That's the, the only thing that, gone. yeah, that's the only thing that stuck in my mind. I was like, well, if they want a California presence that bad, maybe they do. Well, it, they still have a California just, presence, but Southern Cal, Southern Cal is where the good recruits are. And yeah. like, I, I don't know. I it, do it, constantly forget about Cal. And Stanford. Stanford, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So do a lot of people. Um but yeah, so I, it, but I just don't see them doing that. Like, I think at the end of the day, it's like everyone's in an arms race to have money right now and they're not going to give up money for recruiting. Is that going to hurt Oregon down the road? Maybe, but yeah. I think that's the decision they're going to make now, which I don't care. Like I, like it would have been cool if the, if the big 12 added those teams, not really so much from an on-field perspective, but just from a, you're eliminating the PAC 12 as a TV competitor. But like, I am okay with there being five power conferences in college football. And I'm okay with there being a power conference presence on the West coast. I'm fine with that. I really am like, it's okay to separate what's best for UCF and what's best for the sport as a whole. Sometimes. In fact, if more people who were leaders in the sport did that, the sport would be a lot more healthy. So, and I don't think that's bad for UCF. Like, I, I think it's just, it's kind of a wash, isn't it? It's like, just it's a not wash. Bad. Yeah. yeah. It's, 
I'm the only thing that would be with bad taking a wash and it being better for college football. The only thing that would be bad is if the Pac-12 now tries to come after Big 12 teams, which I'm not saying that won't happen, but it just feels less likely than it did a few weeks ago when I tweeted originally, because there's always that the Pac-12 just isn't super stable right now. And there's always that uncertainty that, no, the Big 10 doesn't want Oregon and Washington now, but what if they do in five years? And the Big yeah. 12, like I said last week's podcast, two weeks ago, their biggest weakness was they have no blue blood brands. And now that's their biggest advantage because the SEC and Big 10 don't want anyone in their league. So that gives them stability. It's yeah. a weird time. It's weird. It Real is. I mean, weird. we were talking about this last week, like just so many different moving parts with, you know, Pac-12 and the ACC talking about an alliance. Is anyone going to raid another conference? And then, you know, here a week later, we're like, all right, well, we're not going to see any, really any movement probably for quite some time. And I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm happy that, you know, we can kind of start shifting our focus more toward a season that's now less than eight weeks away. Yeah, I'm and so excited about that. Like actual great. football. Okay, so. Real football. Have you said what this podcast is yet? Not yet. Go ahead and say it because I have a comment to make. So, yeah, talking about the upcoming season, we'll, we did this last year. We're doing it again now. Uh, we're ranking UCF's 2022 games based on our excitement level for those games. So what were you going to say? So when ranking these teams, I don't think any part of my brain had processed at any point since we originally saw the schedule that UCF is playing at FAU this year. Like, I can't explain why, but that came as a complete shock to me when I was looking at the schedule. It's not really? even like I had another game in mind I thought was happening. I just saw that. And I'm like, you guys playing at FAU? Like, it just, like, was gone from my brain, and I don't know why. That's funny because we've talked about it. I know. I I don't understand. I literally, like, I can't over-exaggerate. I was floored when I saw that on the schedule. Like, there was no part of my brain that acknowledged that that existed. That's kind of, I mean, yeah, we'll talk about it in a bit here. But, so, yeah, spoiler, so another, it's not high on my excitement. <laughs> this, is another, this is another exciting thing that we, we did last year, and – like we talked about last week, we kind of started getting into our season preview type of content, which is really exciting. I'm sitting here just, you know, kind of giddy about the fact that football is in just about seven weeks. I'm wearing a Dante Culpepper Vikings jersey that I found at a store yesterday. Um, I'm very, very proud of this purchase, even though it's like a size too big, probably. It's very large on me. You texted but, me like right when you found it. You're like, I'm in this oh. like, I'm in this little shop and there's a Dante Culpepper jersey. Yeah. Cause I, I've been in that shop like three or four times. There's always like really cool things in there, but the, the trick is like, it's, it's basically like a thrift store. You got to be willing to like sift through everything and find like cool stuff. I found this Dante Culpepper jersey. I found a jersey of uh, a former USC player who one of my friends, it's his cousin. I found that it was a Lions jersey. And I was like, how is this in here? And then I found a Sam Lott baseball jersey with it said, yeah, yeah. On the back with the number 11 for my brother. And I was like, this is like the best day ever. It was great. But the store sounds great. That, yeah, with all of that, here in my Dante Culpepper Vikings jersey, we're going to be talking these uh, the UCF schedule, which we I listened to last week, the last year's podcast on this topic, and it was a fun listen because, you know, when you're a year removed and you have all the information of how those games went and how the season went, just a lot changes. I told you it alarmed me because I'm like, oh, wow, we really just know nothing. Like, you, like my comment where I had UConn really low because I'm like, oh, it's a stat pad game. It's like Dylan Gabriel just throw for like six touchdowns. I'm like, huh, little did I know Dylan Gabriel's UCF <laughs> career would be long over by the time they played UConn. Well, the, the one thing that I kind of, and we'll get into this now and we'll start with number 12, but the one thing that I noticed last year and I felt it this year as I was putting it together is like it, the top, the games like toward the top are kind of, there's a clear top half, I would say. Maybe the, the, the order might be different, but there's a clear top half, I think, and a clear bottom half. And that's the way it was last year, and I feel like it's that way this year. I was going to say – There are some duds on this schedule. I don't know. I, I had a hard time with this one. 
I felt like so last year there were clearer ones. I had a little bit of a hard time. I think to me there was a top seven and a bottom five was kind of how I. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. So, so let's just, let's get into it. Let's I'll do it. Take your number 12 first. My number 12 was Navy. Okay, I put FAU. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. care about the FAU game. I have FAU 11th, so we can talk about okay. both of those. Um, yeah. I just got to say for Navy, I like. I understand Navy just beat UCF last year and it was a very fun experience for me personally to like go to Navy stadium. It was cool. Playing Navy is really, really boring. And just where this game is in the schedule and how Navy is supposed to be this year and how UCF is supposed to be this year. I'm assuming that UCF, I pray to God will not be going through a quarterback change when playing Navy this year. <laughs> and I just like, that is not going to be an interesting game. I like, I'll tell you right now and you can fact check me on it. UCF's going to win that game like 31 to 14 Nothing of note is going to happen. It's just going to be kind of like a, a quick game because Navy runs the ball and then it'll just kind of have happened. No one's stats are that impressive. Nothing really was world changing for anyone and we'll move on with our lives. That's what will happen when UCF plays Navy. When it comes when it comes down like to lower lower games on this list, I take like the most random factors into account. And we kind of go through this sometimes when we do our lists because we both approach them very differently. But so Navy, I didn't say Navy's my number 10. I'm not that excited for it. But like what kind of placed it a little bit higher for me is that. It's the last home game of the season, last last real home game of the season because the next week <laughs> UCF goes to to Raymond James Stadium. Um, but it's the last home game of the season. It's in November, so I kind of feel like like last year the the second to last home game was against UConn, and it was like a nice weather. Like it was a cool weather game, not like cold, but it was pretty cool and it was just nice, like enjoyable November afternoon. So that's kind of like the two factors. I, yeah, I don't think it's going to be like an interesting game on the field or anything. I think it's a game UCF should win and get their revenge from last year. Um, but yeah, that's what kind of has it at number 10 for me instead of a lower one. FAU, you want to talk about FAU now because you forgot it's happening. I knew it was happening. I just don't care. What does that say about Navy that I forgot this game's happening and it's still finished ahead of Navy <laughs> on my list? I just don't. What's that game going to be? UCF's going to go down there and beat them to shreds and come home. Like It'll be fun. I'm probably going to try to get credentialed for it. I mean, it's only what, like a, three, a two and a half, three hour drive. I used to, I lived down there for a summer, so it's not that bad of a drive. But I always forget about that. I don't I think it's like it's a game that's like not hard for me to go to and I just don't see myself going to it I so one thing I should say is that I like this always annoyed me so if you remember UCF played there in 2019 and I did not go down for that game but um UCF fans were very angry because FAU had never experienced like a full crowd before because it was mostly UCF fans and I guess they had a hard time getting people in and now to this day UCF fans will be like I'm never going to that dump of a stadium again. And it's like, okay, listen, the crowd control might have been bad, but FAU Stadium is actually incredibly nice. Oh, it like, is. It's probably one of yeah. the nicest group of five stadiums. <laughs> it's also from the press box, you can see the ocean. I still think that is like the coolest thing. And it's, it's a very nice stadium. It's it's like, it's much smaller than, but it's objectively nicer than the bounce house. Like it's pretty nice. This is what's dumb. Like I feel it's because it's, it's because we're getting closer to kickoff. And I'm getting more excited about it. I was like, the reason I just said, like, I can't see myself going to that game is because it's a three and a half hour drive from where I am. And I just don't like driving. And I don't see myself driving that far to go to an FAU UCF game. But then I looked at it, I was like, three and a half hours isn't that bad. Maybe I'll do it. Like, I'm saying that now. We'll get to the, like, we'll get to the season. I'm like, you're not, nah, I'll watch, game. I'll watch it at home. I'm going to be back in Orlando next week. Like, I don't know. If, if I still lived in Orlando and you were going to it, and like, we were both going to go to it from Orlando and we could ride together, sure. Well, why don't you come to Orlando and then we'll, because well, then I have to here. drive to Orlando and then drive. We'll just come to, to Orlando for something else. Like we'll hang out for a couple of days and then we go down. I'll talk about it. I don't know. It's, I'm trying to, it, it seems unlikely. I like to try Especially, to, I like to try to pressure Bailey into social plans on a public forum. That way he has a harder time <laughs> saying no. <laughs> this 
especially given, I don't know, it's, it's the thing is like I'm having to toy around with more this season is whatever responsibilities I'm going to have surrounding the Bucks games. And I can't picture or think about what, where they're going to be that weekend. That's right. If you so, don't follow Bailey on Twitter, he is also a member of Pewter Report. That's the one you're yeah, at, right? Yep. Lots of pewter names of places Bailey's worked at. <laughs> But I think this sure. is the biggest of the pewter names. And uh, Bailey has plenty of Tampa Bay Buccaneers responsibilities as well. So Yeah, so that's going to be fun to navigate this fall. Last last fall was already hectic enough. But yeah, I don't, I don't see myself going to the FAU game. Well, maybe. My, my other thing with that game is like, I full disclosure, I did zero research on how FAU is supposed to be this year. I looked oh, into it for me, some yeah. teams, FAU did not. But the way I'm looking at it is they've had two pretty bad years since Willie Taggart took over. UCF, Willie Taggart's their coach. Willie Taggart is their coach. Um, UCF went to FAU in their best season in program history where they won 11 games and just destroyed them on their own field. So like, I just, I don't like, I just don't see how that game's going to be competitive. Like I really don't. So it's just hard to get amped up for it anyway. My thing too, was like, I was thinking, I was like, was like, when has UCF ever played a fun game against FAU? And then I was like, oh, okay, well, 2018 was kind of fun. No, but it was not. I and not for it. the right reasons. <laughs> like, it was just frustrating. It was a fun football game, but like, yeah, it was frustrating, but I had, I enjoyed the football game. For the most part, it also wasn't um, as close as the final score. FAU scored a yeah garbage time touchdown. It was one of those touchdowns that dramatically swung the final score. A touchdown with like a minute left took the final score from fifty six to twenty nine to fifty six to thirty six. Fifty six twenty nine is an indecisive blowout. Fifty six thirty six is a shootout. It, it's like just the context changes so much from one which is so touchdown. like it's so funny. That's still a twenty point win. That was like it looks like a shootout. What fifty six thirty six? It's like oh, that was a back and forth game. Really wasn't. It was just a garbage time touchdown, but. I'm not still bitter about that. I mean, so what? It was four years ago, and I'm still talking about it angrily. I mean, so what? Okay, so you had you had Navy number twelve and FAU, and FAU number FAU eleven. Number 11. Yep. Okay, so my number eleven now. Yes, I have Tulane. I I think we talked. We argued about this last year. I just don't get excited for Tulane games. I never I had, believe. I never believe they're going to be good. I had Tulane ninth, so okay. a little bit of a difference there, but not. And it's not going to be like it's going again. It's going to be like a half empty stadium. It's probably not going to be that fun of a game it could it could be a fun game like i don't know it, it, that's probably the one thing that can be exciting about it but i just don't think it's gonna be an exciting atmosphere i'm sure whoever goes to that game is gonna have a very good time I mean, new orleans can be fun but i just i'm not excited about it two lanes also just coming off like a dumpster fire of a season and they haven't been much trouble for ucf even when they've been good were they trouble for ucf last year yes but uh, that was more about UCF not really having an offense for most of 2021. So I'm not putting too much stock into that. This is weird because like I was so, I've been so used to for years now, UCF always just basically rips through the AAC competi- competition. And last year there were so many close games. I'm like, do I come off as obnoxious that these teams just played this really razor thin game? And now I'm like, not even, I'm not even, I don't even care about watching. Maybe it, but a like, little bit, but. <laughs> but it's also just like, that's, I mean, UCF was so injured last year and yeah. the depth was so thin. It just wasn't representative of what UCF is. And at the end Context of the day, UCF still won those games. Yeah. And when you look at UCF now that the Mike, you'll either get a much improved Mikey Keene or a really good John Rice Plumley. You have way more talent at the skill positions. And at least for now, they're healthy. The defense, which was great last year, should probably be even better. It's like, I just don't like, I don't see a game at Tulane at the end of November being competitive. I just don't. And I honestly don't see it like that is going to be a noon kick on like ESPN plus. Like I just, yeah. I, that, I don't it see comes, that being an event in any way. And it comes after Cincinnati and the Memphis away game. And so it's kind of just like, all right, well, there's not the last quarter of the schedule is a snoozer. You go at Tulane, then Navy, then at USF. Like that, <laughs> that's just not, that is not much of a slate. Yeah. To end the year so with. is there a reason you had it like at nine, a little bit higher is just because Tulane um, might be a little we're going to need to talk about my team at 10. Okay. Or my team at uh yeah 
to explain. So I, my, my takeaway, cause like my team at 10 was, well, we'll get there. It just, I don't know. It's still like a, it's still a conference game. Like there were games that I was going to put below it just cause like, I still care less about an FAU game that in the grand scheme of things is going to mean absolutely nothing or a Navy game that is just going to be boring to watch. Like the Tulane game might end up, it might being like, it might end up being like Temple this past year where like there's no stakes, but it's fun. Like some player yeah. pops off or something. So like from that perspective, sure. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, that's the thing is like when I got in between like nine, 10 and 11, I think were yeah. the three that I was like deciding between. I was like, there's very, like there's a razor thin margin here to decide between any of these. So I'm not going to like come at you and be like, how dare you have Tulane that low? Like, yeah. it's just like, yeah, I mean, a lot of these bottom ones, it's like, I'm realizing I'm a lot more excited for a lot of these home games. I guess that's just because the home slate's so good this year. So I have a lot of that, games down here. That's one thing too, is it's that, and that was kind of a differentiator for me. Maybe a little bit. I mean, I think the opponents are better anyway, but just, it was a differentiator in that like home games are just more fun. Is like, this I might the best? be biased toward home games, but yeah, they're just more fun. Is this the best home slate in UCF football history? Off the top of my head, I think it might be. I honestly think it might. You've got an FCS, okay. Then you've got Louisville, Georgia Tech, SMU, Temple, Cincinnati, Navy. I mean, that's like SMU, Cincinnati, Georgia Tech, and Louisville are all like the type of games that you hope to have like one of at home in most years for UCF. Yeah, and they got. Four I was trying to think because like even even 2013, like the year they had South Carolina, the other ones weren't anything, right? It was no, it was like Akron, Rutgers. Yeah. Um, who else they played home that year? The USF that that was that USF game was a big deal because it was you know their first time playing in like five years I think at that those point, beautiful but, helmets oh my god yeah <laughs> that was something um, all right I also so you, feel like it's worth noting while we're talking about home games like I still don't know if we processed enough that every single team UCF lost to last year they're getting at home this year yeah. it's pretty sweet including Cincinnati who hasn't played at a full capacity bounce house since game day oh, I thought you were gonna say including Cincinnati who you have at tenth and I was about to be like wait <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so no ten I had Navy so. You're, you tease your ninth. I haven't given my ninth yet either. So I think we've, we've got our bottom three, right? No. We I, know. Haven't given, I haven't given my tenth. <laughs> right. Okay. I just said that. After uh, this, we'll have our bottom three. My so tenth number 10? was SC State. Oh, man. Where did you have, have SC State? I have them at eight. You had SC State all the way up at eight? <laughs> yeah. What? I give way too much weight to the opener. Why, man? Because I'm so I'm so looking forward. Like, that's the date I'm looking forward to. Is oh, my for, God nine months wait is it nine months however long it is i thought I'm, you were going to give me crap for having it as high as i did i have no, a 10 no well wow. i mean this is going to talk yeah i just it's going to be one of those games like it's going to be good to be back in the bounce house it's going to be a very stress-free game that is true it's going to be a chance to watch all these new guys that we have you know for the first time it's i mean and then once it's a blowout i don't know that there we talked about this a little in last year's podcast when we talked about um this topic but i don't know how much they'll open up the playbook for backups but you'll get a chance to see some of the backups you'll see some of the running backs some of the playmakers and some of the guys on defense like some of the freshmen that i'm excited about seeing so like that's kind of why not, i leave it there and it's a thursday night like i don't know i'm just i like that it, you're it, it's what i like that your explanation for why you're excited for it as you said was there's no stress it will be a blowout and we'll see lots of backups <laughs> like those were your three yeah they're three different it's, it's exciting <laughs> they're all very different that doesn't mean exciting to me though. Like I, I had the game at 10th. Like I'm, I'm excited for to it. it. I, so I raised it to 10. Same thing. You said it's the home opener. It's going to be exciting just to see you see the 2022 UCF football team on the field. And like, because we're freaks, I do love the second half of FCS games. I love seeing guys that you're not going to see much of the rest of the year. I think we probably are going to see Castellanos, which is going to be cool. And that'll probably be it. But, and you know, yeah, I mean, I know that we're down to JRP and Mikey, but the fact that we're going to see all three quarterbacks in one game is pretty cool. Yeah. I assume we'll see all three of them in that game. 
Um, I think we'll see some, I mean, I, we might see like, I guess this is part of the reason. All right. I'm going to throw you a, a lifeline that you should have used to explain why you had the game where you did this. I think it's safe to say that this game is the most, or not this game, excuse me. This year is the, has the most anticipated freshman class in UCF history. Yeah. Now, Will it pan out as the best in UCF history? I don't know. Probably not, because there was a class that included Gabe Davis, Marlon Williams, Mackenzie Milton, and a Bill, Adrian Killens, I think was that year too, and a billion other guys. Gabe Davis was the year after. You know, you know what I mean? The Frost class was yeah, really yeah. good. But I, this is like the first year that UCF fans were really in tune with a lot of these recruits. Like I think that fans were really into the Henderson twins and then landing at UCF. Uh, Nakai Martinez, Quan Lee, Jordan McDonald. And I think a lot of those guys you might, not all of them because they're freshmen and there are guys on the depth chart who are going to be ahead of freshmen, but you might get a chance to see some of those guys. Like obligatory, I want, I want to... obligatory Xavier Townsend. And, oh my God. Why can't I remember Xavier Townsend? <laughs> like what is wrong with me? I'm going to need to get you. I'm going to get like a poster of him and, and you're going to get it made and have it like right behind your computer. I don't understand what's wrong with my brain that I can't remember. He exists. <laughs> I like, I don't, it's like some weird mental block at this point because of this, he's going to end up being like a major contributor. Like he'll be like the most important true freshman for UCF this year or some BS, but I think I think him, Nakai and Quan are the three yeah. I'm looking at that could like actually contribute right away. But either way, like think of how electric the bounce house is going to be for Quan Lee's first touchdown. Like I want I want to see that against SC State. <laughs> Which I, I feel like we're actually demoting Quan Lee because he might actually like yeah, I was be say, like the fourth receiver. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen like still early in the game. Yeah, like, I, I don't know why I've demoted Quan Lee to like we're going to see him against SC State's backups. We actually might see a lot more of him. But either way, there's just there's a lot of guys that are freshmen that UCF fans are excited to see, and you might get to see a good chunk of them in that game. So that's reason for excitement. If you're like a diehard yeah. fan, if you're a casual fan, you probably don't care. But well, I know who any of these guys like, are. But I know you were saying like, oh, like you said, that's going to be a blowout and all these things. That's why you're excited for. I was like, yeah, like I'm the kind of fan that like would be excited for an FCS game. I can guarantee you, like I have friends that are going to want to leave at like halftime. I'm not going to want to go. Yeah, you weren't so excited enough going. to go to the Bethune Cookman last. You're right. I did. I did game last year, though. But there was a lot of extenuating circumstances there. Yeah, you were tired. I was exhausted. Okay, that's just a fancy word for tired. I didn't. Okay, so here's my defense of that again, since I have to put it on the podcast. Apparently, it's one. I did not anticipate the Boise State game ending at whatever time it ended, like two o'clock, and getting to sleep after we recorded a late night podcast for all you wonderful listeners. I didn't get to sleep until like three a.m. that night. You hear that, guys? It's your fault, listeners. And then, it is. And then I woke up. Then I woke up the next morning. Again, obviously, I was in Orlando. I drove from Orlando to Tampa, and then two days later, ended up going to Tallahassee to try to watch Mackenzie Milton lead a comeback against Notre Dame. And I got back from that game, went to sleep at like four a.m. that night. And then the week after the Bethune game was when we were going and flying to Louisville. So I was like, I need a break here, and this is the only chance I have. So there's my reasoning. I think it's a thin and argument. Personally. I don't care. I don't care. I would I'm, never miss a UCF game. So, oh yeah, Mr. Yep. COVID during the space game. Okay, well I got COVID. Yes, I missed <laughs> two UCF games this year when I got COVID, but uh, that was you know more games than I missed. They don't really let Actually, you in no, the press not. box. <laughs> it's not. not. It's literally not. They don't really let you in the press box when you have COVID. Like I wasn't gonna be like, hey Dan, I'm carrying like the virus that is the cause <laughs> of this pandemic, but I'll wear my mask. Like it just wasn't gonna happen. So you're like, I'll be fine. I also um, felt terrible, so I just didn't want to be a plug it. But anyway, okay. So I, this is when we do lists like this long, I get so I've given my up. 12 through nine. I've given, okay. I have not given my nine. I've given right. my eight. So let's see, let's get your nine. My nine is ECU. My eight is ECU. So, okay. okay so we've got there. the same top seven, which I kind of anticipated. Yeah. Like I said, there was a clear seven and a clear five, but we don't, don't have any the of the same in from eight to 12. We don't have any of the same lineup. I don't think that might continue. We'll see. 
um because i have okay. some weird reasonings for where some of these games so are. ecu is another one kind of like tulane where i just like i think it could be a better game like again i think that's like the, one of the things it has going for is like maybe it could be a good game like it was a pretty good game last year defensive struggle i just don't really get excited about playing ecu and it's not a home game so that makes it even less exciting to me um i don't know i mean it's it's not like i don't think it's like one that i'm dreading or anything like, like the fau game i'm just kinda like i just don't have any interest in that game but like ecu like yeah it'll be, it'll be fine it comes at an interesting time in ucf schedule as like it's right after the space game and then the week after it's cincinnati so like they have to be careful that week like they can't look ahead to cincinnati i have said on the podcast before that i think there's like a more than low chance ucf loses this game to east carolina yeah and it's a factor of a couple things of, like you said, where it is in the schedule. The fact that East Carolina, even with last year's game, again, another team that UCF played close last year, though, I'm now just completely dismissing, um, was, you know, that, that you know, it's not typically close when those teams play. ECU rarely, if ever, has the talent level that UCF has. But East Carolina, fan, first off, Holton Aylers is inexplicably still in college. Is he? I, okay, I was just looking that up. Yes. He's still there. How, how many years is this? Seven? At Six? least nine. He's been there. I mean, he's been there for the entire 2010. The, the start I, of his bio says in his third season as the Pirates full-time starting quarterback. I don't think he started that early in his career. I am right, right? I'm pretty sure he's um, back. Gosh, I don't know. I think you're right, though. I feel like I yeah. remember having that reaction before, but just having it again just now. 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's back. I don't. So does that make sense? No um how he's still in college it absolutely makes zero sense like i think that he was with east carolina in their conference usa days so he's really been through a lot <laughs> but either way they've got their quarterback back he's not a good quarterback but he's a quarterback they they east carolina fans believe that they have their most talented team in like years like their most talented aac team right now so it will that be on par with ucf i don't know but it is a road game and east carolina actually used to have a really tough road environment and that's late enough in the schedule that east carolina fans will know if their team is good and they might be back in full force and that could be a game since now is the next week, it could trip UCF up. That's kind of why I have it above Tulane. I have it like that's why there. I put it where I put it. It's because I feel like it's going to be a better atmosphere. I think it could be a better game. Like I think they could be like I don't think they're going to be great, but I think they could be good. They could be a team that's going to give UCF a game. And I don't the reason I didn't put Tulane. it the reason I didn't put it any higher is because at the same time ECU could be three and four and UCF wins by twenty one. So yeah. I. I on the off chance that it is a scary game, I have it a little higher than some of the other. But I'm also just realizing, like, so you said this earlier, we don't know anything really. Like, no, I don't know don't. what's going to happen. Like, I think we're just operating under this assumption, like, UCF should be good. UCF could be really bad. But they yeah, could like, they could be. Like, they couldn't, like, they could be trying to figure out this quarterback thing all year. Well, they just need to not. Like, I, like, I can't overstate how important it well, is. Well, no, I'm UCF just saying, like, if, if, they're in, if they're in a position where they're forced to, like, if neither of the guys are playing well. No, I don't care. Like, if neither <laughs> of the guys are – I went through 2011 when UCF could not decide between Godfrey and Bortles, and that team went 5-7 and seven and lost six games by single digits. You don't do that. If they're both playing bad, you just decide – like, Gus just flips a coin and says, you're the guy, we're not changing. <laughs> that's, that's, how he's just, that's how he decided who started the uh, spring game. It is. You just, but I'm dead serious, though. They cannot do that. That is the no, they, only they thing can. that can derail the season. And I don't think that will happen because, A, Gus is a season coach and he understands that, and I don't think he would put UCF in that position. And at the same time, the rest of the team is still really, really good. Like, I'm yeah. still operating and on the I theory still think, that... I still think both quarterbacks are good. I'm, I'm, that's what I was about to say. I'm still operating on the theory that the offense and the team as a whole can be really good with either quarterback. So I'm just yeah. not, like, super worried about that. But again, you don't know, especially, like, UCF's actually, they're interesting because it's going to be kind of... 2022 UCF is a little bit of a poster boy for the new era of college football because they largely reloaded with transfers. And there are some out there who would say that 
that is a bad strategy because you don't generate team chemistry that way. And there were some who would say that that is a really fast way to upgrade your talent, which is what UCF's banking on. So we'll see which of those, I think there's merit to both sides of that, but at least on paper and what we saw in the spring game, what we heard through spring practice, UCF looks to be very good. The offense in particular looks to be very good. The defense was very good last year and brings back a lot of key guys. Like I, we've said this before, guys. when you think about going into the offseason, what was our number one concern? Linebackers are going into the offseason. Yeah. I don't remember. That was forever ago. Okay. I'll tell you. It was the O-line. We were really O-line. worried about yeah, the O-line. Okay, I do and remember that. that does seem like a long time. Yeah. Because now and Sam Jackson came back and then they addressed the rest of that through the portal. And then our next concern was like, well, we could really use another wide receiver. Kobe Hudson comes up through the portal. Well, we could spruce up the defense a little bit. Enter Lee Hunter, Kobe Perry and all that. So it's like, it's literally through the offseason. Like my worry scale has gone down. Free I'm, agency. It is. I'm like, I am worried about this position. Okay. We fixed it. Now this position. Okay. We fixed it and so on and so forth. And the only one we didn't totally fix was the linebackers. And even then they still brought in two former blue chip recruits. So like, I can't be that upset. Even then, they brought in three linebackers. Yeah, so two of them former very highly rated players. Yeah. So I, it, it's just like <laughs> UCF. And like I said, I hope that UCF fans understand that's not happening at every school. Like, and listen, UCF's lost guys to the portals that to the portal that were important. They lost Gabriel. They lost Jalen Robinson. They lost Cam Good. They lost Tatum Bethune. It's not like it's not like they've just been sitting here like, oh, the portal is amazing. But UCF has employed it in a much better way than most programs, and it's going to be interesting to see if that does pay off. Yeah. All right. So we'll get back on track here. Uh, we both have given our eight through 12, yes. all the same teams, all Just different, not order, even sort but... of in the same order. Yep. All right. Here's, I think, I still don't think we're going to have the same number seven, but let's get your number seven. I feel really bad about this one. Oh boy. Uh, USF. Really? I can't believe I have USF this low. I really can't. I'm surprised. I have a five. Wow. You have a lot higher than me. I don't know. I just, a, it's not going to be competitive at all. And does it have juice because it's the final war on I four? Yes but I'm not excited for it. A, I'm not excited that the rivalry is ending and B, I'm not excited for what's probably not going to be a good game. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, it's, it is, it is ending. Like I wish it wasn't, but it is ending. It's the last, it's the last one. It's the last chance, at least for now. And UCF gets to come to Tampa where I'm, you know, 20 minutes from the stadium and it's UCF can take over this, the stadium as they always do. And that'll they be cool. Right but that'll be them. cool. But they're going to take over FAU Stadium too. They're probably going to come yeah, close to taking over Memphis. I, I just, it's what they do, you know? I, and I get it. Like, I, and maybe I'll feel differently when the game rolls around, but it's like if UCF, like, look at the types of seasons that UCF can have. If UCF has the season that fans hope they have, and I think a lot of people are expecting them to have, which how wise that is, whatever, the USF game will feel like it did in like 2018, where it's just an afterthought on the way to the conference title game. Even if UCF is a little worse, they're like, nine and two, eight and three, it's going to feel like it did in 2019 where it's just an afterthought in the middle of a season, you know, like, and unless USF is shockingly very good, which nothing has suggested that they're going to be. I, I, I don't, I just don't see that being an interesting game. And it's just kind of going to be like, this is the end of the rivalry. You see if we'll just go there, beat up on them. Get will be over by halftime of the third quarter. And then we've had that. And that's that. That's the thing. We've had that feeling multiple times throughout the history of this rivalry. And then it hasn't like panned out that way. And honestly, yeah, 2013 was that way where, you know, UCF was on its way to a BCS bowl and they almost lost to USF. And then let me think, I mean, 2017, obviously was the best game in the rivalry's history. It wasn't really, it was kind of expected to be a good game. Um, Thinking 2020 UCF wasn't great, but we were expecting it to be a pretty big blowout. And it was a massive shootout that probably, I think I died three times that day. 
And then last year, I probably died four times that day thinking they were going to lose that game. I don't mean so, to sound cocky. And maybe this is just like a weird mental block I have with South Florida, but I don't recall in 2020 or 2021 ever being actually convinced that UCF was going to lose the game at any point or that the game was even in question. The I only time that. I felt it last year, I, I, I know for a fact that I never felt it in 2020. Um, the only moment I thought I felt it last year was when, um, not Flowers, what is their, who's their quarterback now? I forget his name. Why do I always forget his name? <laughs> well, now it's the Baylor quarterback. Oh man. Well, yeah, but this was uh, Timmy McClain. Timmy, Timmy McClain. Thank you. Yeah. You got there half a second before I did. When he completed <laughs> that like really nice pass downfield. And then suddenly I'm like, oh, USF's in field goal range. Like it was just when like that were... moment. I was like, oh, but it, that was literally it. Well, when they were inside the 10 yard line with like, plenty of time left i was like that ucf lost this by game. then i wasn't worried how because with how good ucf's d line was and how bad that usf offense was i was like if they screw themselves and end up within the 10 yard line but not in the end zone they're not gonna be able to function like i was more worried when they were at the 30 no i definitely thought there was that game i think i agree that in 2020 i don't think there was ever a point where i thought they were gonna lose it was more just the game was way closer than it should have been and, and it was just it wasn't enjoyable yeah because it was so annoying it had been a really really frustrating season anyway for ucf and it was kind of like at least we'll take some frustrations out and beat up on usf people and going into that game happen. weren't people saying like oh this is going to be like payback for 64 to 12 or whatever yes it was because usf was, was horrible that year. yeah and they, the only thing they beat was oh, some SCS citadel team. They beat the oh, Citadel. The Citadel? Yeah, it. yeah. And for UCF fans, we were like, we have this historic offense. Uh, let's ignore our defense, whatever, and <laughs> we'll crush them. And guess what? The defense could not be ignored. And UCF's defense was also – I think by that game, they were down to two starters that started the opener. Like, yeah, it wasn't great. I don't know why we convinced ourselves that was going to be a, as big of a blowout. I mean, it should have not been that close, but it, I don't know how we convinced ourselves it was going to be a 64-12 to 12 style blowout. I'm surprised you have them at seven. So, oh, I didn't give my number seven, did I? I gave my number five, which is USF. Nope. My number seven is Temple. Okay. I have and the only reason it's this high is because it's the space game. That's why I have it at number six. And it's the home game. I Ran care more. A home game. I, I love, you, you, you guys know this about me. The space game is like my favorite thing every year. I love the space game. And yes, yeah. it's Temple. Um, congrats to Temple on becoming repeat space game opponents. <laughs> Um, but I just, I love the freaking space game and I had to miss the space game last year due to COVID. It was the first time I never saw the space uniforms in person. As I told Bailey earlier today, I am still not joking, depressed about that on a weekly basis. Like I actually feel a pit in my stomach every time I think about it. So I don't really care what happens in the game, to be honest with you. Like I'm sure UCF will win handily, but like there's nothing like a space home game. And hopefully this one will be at night. Is it at night? Is the time announced? Yeah, it's a yet? Thursday night. It's a Thursday night. It's that's a another, Thursday. That's another we're getting we're it. getting our first night space game. Since, well, it was night last year, but I wasn't there, so I'm getting my first <laughs> night space game since 2018. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, that's the reason it's in my top seven. It's like other than that, and other than I do like weeknight games, even though it's kind of inconvenient for me living here. But I just I like weeknight games. Um, but yeah, it sounds like games. the game. The game itself is gonna be like just you know what's fun. great about a thursday night space game is like okay maybe it sucks for you listener because you're gonna have to work the next day but it's gonna be very cool i don't know why i said that so condescending that legitimately does suck for you it sucks for you, me too you condescended our listeners very badly on last year's uh edition of this podcast that's it was about brand. a different topic i think but you're like brand. here's how this works in case you don't know or it was just the way you said it your tone was hilarious <laughs> i accidentally take that tone sometimes like where i'm just like where i'm just like i'm like i'm like listen up oh you go who doesn't you go, understand I, I actually understand how college football works so in case you don't here's like and i was like oh <laughs> that's not great i'm always accidentally aggressive but 
think of how cool, I mean, yes, it sucks for like fans, but think of how cool it is that UCF is going to don what I'm sure will be some fantastic space uniforms. They've just, I love last year's. They were my favorites. I can't wait to see how they top it. UCF's going to don these awesome space uniforms. They're going to be the only college football game of note on TV. So you're going to get an inordinately high audience for a UCF Temple game. And it's just going to be awesome exposure for recruits, for fans, for everyone to see UCF in those kick-ass uniforms. So yeah, I'll throw Temple ahead of USF. Um, it's actually not going to be the only. I don't care. Game. I knew you were going to check it as soon as I said that. I saw you pull out your phone and I'm like, damn it. Who else? Baylor, is Baylor West Virginia. <laughs> Who cares about the big 12? <laughs> no one yet. Um, <laughs> okay. So you had Temple at six. I had him at seven. So who's your number six then? Temple. Wait, your six is Temple. Temple. Why? I can't keep this straight. You're having so a hard time. Should I be doing it? Because you're having a hard time with it. Maybe. Okay. We're both down to our top fives. No, I didn't get my number six. Oh, really? All right. Who's your number no. six? Georgia Tech. <laughs> okay. I have Georgia Tech at four. Really? Yes. This is Why? interesting. It's a power five team. We're going to the yeah, power five. So it, now I have to pretend though? that matters more. <laughs> is it a power is five? It, is it a power five up on it? I literally put Georgia Tech in the top four because now UCF fans have to embrace P5 bias. So that game automatically becomes bigger. Also, like my real reason for putting it there is like, it's UCF's last season as a group of five team. And I'm going to really enjoy one last smackdown of a power five program that doesn't understand it's about to get killed. And that's kind of why I have it up like up there. But that to me is, I think it's actually gonna be really special. I mean, think about it, depending on the bowl game, that might be UCF's last group of five power five game ever. Where they're the group of five team. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, that's why I have it. I mean, I, I guess it's lower than you have it, but. I do like that was what kind of made it special in my mind is that UCF should win this game pretty handily. And it's going to be another one of those, like, yeah, that's a power five team, you know, quote unquote, that you just beat pretty easily. Like last time they played in 2020, UCF beat them, crushed them 49, 21 or something like that. 48, 20 or something. But on top of that, let's not forget that, uh, Georgia Tech and UCF were set to play in 2017, which was UCF's best season ever. Georgia Tech uh, is very upset that that game did not get played because because they wanted to lose by 50. UCF very rudely conjured a hurricane that um, required the actual National Guard to overtake the stadium. But, you know, Georgia Tech fans call it conspiracy. Georgia Tech finished five and six, so they didn't get to go to a bowl because that game was canceled. And for years, they held that they would have beaten UCF. And then going into 2020, they were like, we're going to open the season by crushing this group of five team. And then UCF, who was not even particularly good that year, ran Georgia Tech off their own field. So it will be nice. And I think it'll make for some good tweets and Twitter moments of just like, yeah, UCF's ready for the Big 12. Like, if, they, yeah. if they're already beating the crap out of ACC teams, they should be just fine. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just it's, it's lower than some of these other ones to me because, personally, it doesn't mean as much to me, but I still see the merit in placing it that it high. It just means less. Um, yeah. All right. So, yeah, you should be doing this because I've already lost track. Okay, so I'm going to give my number five. Okay, you haven't done five yet. Nope. I have. Okay. My number five is SMU. All right, I have them at four. Okay, so that's kind of a wash. We probably have the same thoughts on that game. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's like not one of the upper tier AAC games, but it's still like it's it's almost right on that top tier. Like they, I think they're going to be pretty good. I think so too. And I think it'll be a good game. I do. Like I think last year's game should have been better than it was. It should have been like an actual competitive game, actually competitive game. Um, and I think it will be this year. It's a home game for UCF. It's their conference opener. And it gives them a chance to get off on the right foot in conference play this year instead of like, unlike last year at Navy. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a lot of like, yeah. I don't have a lot to say about it. It's funny because stakes wise, it should be a lot higher for both of us because it is, it's the league opener against a team. That's probably gonna be pretty good. And I think a team that 
people aren't necessarily talking about, but I think from an SMU perspective, I think I know they have a new coach and whatever, but like, I think SMU fans kind of expect to be in that conversation again this year as they have been for the last few years before they fall off like the season about being in the conference title game. But like, I, this sounds so like insulting. I don't mean it that way, but like, it, it just, it is the opponent. Like SMU just doesn't have the juice for the fan base or for the TV views is like when UCF plays that same type of game with Cincinnati or with Memphis, you know, like, you know, cause it's I SMU, think- you know? I think though, I think it is like it does deserve to be up there because like what you just said, it is a bigger game like than maybe we're giving it credit for. And I think just in terms of what it's going to mean, like both SMU and UCF, I guess UCF probably more is expected of them nationally in, in terms of like the whole AAC scale. But I feel like whoever wins that game is going to feel really, really good. And I feel like I agree. Like, I, I'm not necessarily thinking it's, it's probably more so if, if SMU wins that game they'll feel really good and they'll go on to probably have a pretty good season. I think UCF can recover. If UCF beats SMU and it did do it handily, I don't know. SMU might spiral. But that's kind of what I'm saying in part two is like, I think that if, and I'm not saying this will happen, like I'm not saying this is my prediction, but say that UCF comes out and just rolls them and wins like, I don't know, like 38, 21 or something like that. Like, I don't think for most UCF fans, it will have ever even crossed their minds that there was a chance of that being a big game. Like I think for UCF fans, SMU is just SMU. And that plays into an excitement role for me. Like, I think I'm like the actual game and the perception of the game are very different to me. And I'm kind of basing off the perception because excitement is perception, you know? I get that. Um, I'm getting very philosophical with why I have SMU where I have them. But so we still haven't lined up all the way from 12 to four. We haven't lined up on any of them. I would think we would on this one, but well, wait. You did your four already? That was Georgia Tech? Yes. Okay. So I think top three, I think we're going to have the same top three. Just a prediction. Have you not given? Have you not given your four or five yet? Yeah, my five was USF, and my four was SMU. Okay, well then we're. Oh, you're saying we're gonna have them in the same order? Yeah, top three. Okay, I think because I'm like because I'm like Bailey. Yeah, yeah. We have to have the same top three. No, no, three no I mean left. the okay. same order of the top three. It's gonna suck if we don't. But all right, why don't you give me your third? Memphis. Same. All okay. right, I think we're good. I think we're, we're good. good. Memphis was the one I was a little worried. All right. Yeah, Memphis. It's gonna be so much. I, mean, we, I think we've talked. We said it on the podcast, but we're going to that game. It's gonna be our, our road trip for this year. It's gonna be very fun as a road trip, but I think it's as a game, it's going to be, it's going to be a good game. I think last year's game would have been better. Like it's just both team, both teams were in a really weird spot in last year's game. Like UCF was oddly more stable at the time. There's nothing like, like a game where neither team plays their starting quarterback. Like it's always yeah. really special. <laughs> like you would think that UCF would have been in the, in the one in the bad position, but like Mikey at that point had started, I think three or four games. I think it was like his maybe third his, start. Yeah, maybe his fourth, probably his third, third or fourth start. But Memphis, I think, like, they were already on a backup quarterback, and then that backup quarterback either got COVID or got hurt or something happened to where they played a guy that was just, like, I don't think ever they expected him to play at that time. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really impacted the kind of game it was, and it wasn't necessarily a fun game. But I think this year could be a, a really fun game. I think the last two times now, I think, that UCF has played at the Liberty Bowl against Memphis have been – like classics not fun uh yeah not fun classics but classics well, UCF won one of them but they were just yeah. very stressful games yeah I mean I'm part of me is like I mean Memphis went six and six last year and three and five in AAC play but like it's also just like they have basically been good the entire time the AAC has existed except for like that very first year so I'm just not expecting them to be bad again yeah like, I have I a just different level they're gonna bounce back respect for Memphis like it's just yeah it's like you have my respect Stark Here's like a Memphis, stat. You have my respect. Yeah, Memphis. there you go. We're quoting uh, Thanos now on this podcast. <laughs> Here's a stat. 
Here's a stat for you that I just looked up. Yeah, I did do it. Uh, UCF has not won by double digits at Memphis since 2012. How many games is that? Um, Three. Three. In 2013, there was that incredibly frustrating game where they won 24-17. If you weren't a fan (laughs) for 2013, UCF football was incredibly dominant and also just couldn't beat anybody. Like, they won all the games, but, like, never pretty. It was rough, always, always rough. And then twenty, they didn't go back to Memphis till twenty eighteen because the AAC's conference schedule just does not make sense. And they won thirty one to thirty. And then in twenty twenty, they lost fifty to forty nine. So this year, you can expect them to win forty two to forty one. No, I think now that UCF's leaving the league, they're breaking the streak. They're going to win. Um, they're going to win twenty eight to seventeen. That doesn't sound like a fun game. No, but yet it's the third most exciting game. Yeah, I was going to say, it doesn't sound exciting. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't a little know. more than that. Well, I'm used to like, I'm still kind of used to like when I throw out hypothetical scores from like the frost hypo era, like being like, they're going to win like 48 to 24. And I'm like, no, I don't think they're going to score like 50 points a whole bunch. <laughs> like, I'll take I think 30, the offense they run. 34 to 24. We need, to, I'm going to set a reminder for like October to listen back to this podcast. And like, did any of our dumb scores we came up with off the top of our heads come true? Because I'm yeah. thinking they're not going to. Probably not. All right. We're moving on to number two. Yep. Number two, it's your turn. Louisville. Yeah. Yeah. We're, okay. There was a clear, the top, there three was a clear, clear. top three. There was a clear top three. I'm almost certain UCF's going to lose this game. Are you? Yeah. I like, we've talked about this before. I always get very, like, I've kicked into season as imminent mode in the last like few days. And that means my nerves have picked up. And I'm like, the, it is going to be the most UCF thing for they're going to go beat SC State like 56 to zero. They're, I'm, I don't even know if they're going to be ranked in the preseason poll. I'm assuming they won't. Maybe beating SC State will be enough to get in like 24th. The whole fan base will be like, you know, UCF is back because we beat an FCS team. <laughs> yeah, I hope, I hope the fan base they're is going to. You know, they're going to. No, no. And they're going to be so excited. And then just like last year, they're going to play Louisville and lose because I think Louisville is actually probably going to be really good. They're probably going to be one, of the, be one of the better teams in the ACC. And the only thing I'm holding on to is it's a not home that game. that says a lot. And it really just is not at this point. Um, hey, they got that grant of rights going for them, though. So good for them, but I, or bad for them, depending on what school. Yeah, I'd say it's good for the conference, I guess, but not it's for good the for Louisville because it's good yeah. for the teams that are uh, paying the bills from leaving. But I just, the one thing going for UCF is it is a home game. UCF very rarely loses home games, in, at least for the last five years now, which is a pretty significant amount of time. I assume that will be a sellout. It's going to be a night game. The atmosphere will be insane, and it hopefully will be enough to rattle Louisville. But at the same time, I think Louisville is going to be at a similar, if not better talent level than UCF and anything can happen in that situation, especially since they have a, since they have a dynamic quarterback that UCF did not have an answer for last year. I have, I have a hard time calling this game. I do like, I, I do. I, if I had to say who's going to win or lose right now, I would probably say Louisville is going to win. Yeah. That's we're going to get, we're going to get so much hate for that on Twitter. Which, I don't care. It's, it's unwarranted. I'm done, it's just, unwarranted hate I'm done like, saying what you guys want to hear. I'm really yeah. done with that. It's like, you. it's like, going I don't think you've ever podcast. said what they want to hear, but <laughs> But honestly, though, it's like people listen and they're like, wow, you're right. It's like if you like we're not UCF's cheerleaders. It's like if you, if you want that, literally go to the game and look at the cheerleaders. Like, I, I like I don't know what you want. If I'm I, not if here I to had to tell call you what it, you want to hear. If I had to call it now, I would say Louisville will probably win. But it's it's like it's that's what makes it so intriguing to me. I think it's like it's a big game. It's and a very big game. And I, as I said on the like, past podcast, it's not just a big game for the season. It's a big game because. UCF's going to be in the Power Five next year. You don't want that doubt in your head of losing to a mid-tier Power Five team at home the year before you go to the Power Five, because then the entire year it's going to be in your head. It's like, are we going to be six and six next year? Like, is well, this the good news, we are? the good news is if they do lose it, they'll just come back in a couple weeks from then and then beat Georgia Tech to shreds and be like, go. okay, maybe we can beat 
mid-tier power fives. Well, to be fair, last year I was really annoyed if the Louisville lost for that exact reason because I'm like, this is just such a bad look for the whole group of five power five thing. And that's it. They're not playing another power five team. And then um, God placed Florida on the schedule at the end of the season and <laughs> things worked out from there. So I guess I'm probably assigning too much merit or too much well, importance to it. What's fun to me is like last year, I think we went into that game at Louisville, especially since we were there probably, but it felt like a pretty big game. Like at the time it felt pretty big. Yeah. This year it's so much bigger. Yeah, like it is so much bigger than it was last year. Well, because last year, I think that, like, I don't know, sometimes you forget how quickly stuff changes. Like, 20, I, I feel like a lot of UCF fans and even some non-UCF fans, like, oh, UCF hasn't been on the national radar since, like, 2018, which, like, A, is not true. They finished ranked in 2019. In, 20, in 2020, I think people have forgotten that UCF got as high as 11th in the AP poll before ending up 6 and 4. No, they started at 18, and, okay. and they got up to 11 and after beating Georgia Tech. And part of that was that some teams weren't playing and all that. But either way, it's yeah. like – and. I think that last year after beating Boise state and then flattening Bethune Cookman, UCF fans had gotten that swagger back a little bit. And like, I think well, the consensus among the UCF fan base going to that game was that UCF was going to crush them. I think too. Well, that's what Louisville fans told us they thought was going to happen. Yeah. But I think too, is like if UCF had won that game, I think they were already receiving top 25 votes. If they had won that game, I think they might've gotten ranked. They absolutely would have gotten ranked. And here's another. So if they win the game, I assume it's, let's just say that it's that, that Brandon Johnson ball doesn't get tipped straight up. If that ball literally just gets not tipped up, even dropped, UCF still wins the game with a field goal. I think Daniel Loborski. Um, so either way, that not Dangerous only game you're playing there. Not only is UCF then three and zero in the top twenty five. Dylan Gabriel is not hurt, and <laughs> at that point, it's like the entire trajectory of UCF's program is completely different from that point. Because does he even transfer at the end of the year? I'm of opinion he probably still does, probably. but like. <laughs> I, you know, I just, it, oh, but then what kind of season that for UCF? They, I mean, it, even with Dylan Gabriel, the other injury, like, I don't know how much good Dylan Gabriel is going to do at that point with like, you know, two yeah. receivers to throw to and no running backs at one point, but either way, it just opens up this whole discussion of, they don't lose to Navy. I don't think, I think Dylan Gabriel is no. worth three points. And then suddenly it's like, it was UCF a top 25 team last year. I, I just, it's crazy. You know? So. Wow. I don't really That's know where sad. I was going with that point. We went down a rabbit hole, but. It's all to say, somehow, even with all of that, this year's game against Louisville feels bigger. And I think it's because UCF expected to be good. Louisville is expected to be a pretty, you know, a good team. And I don't think they were like last year, like they didn't feel like a good team when when UCF went into their stadium. But like now they're coming in. I'm like, okay, I expect a lot more of Louisville this year. Which it's Um, funny because it's not even like Louisville was amazing last year. They're just returning all their key pieces and look to be, you know, yeah, really good. I am curious. They got a good quarterback. I mean, Cunningham's good. I do want, yeah, um, Cunningham's really good. I do want to look up really quickly before we move on. Um, who is, who's Louisville playing before that game? Oh, I have it probably here. They are playing, they're playing at Syracuse. Okay. I assume they will win that one. Probably. If they don't, never put this game too high. Yep. Well, yeah, probably. Only to play a couple spots too high, though. Eh. Um, I don't know. If you right. lose to Syracuse, that's like... <laughs> <laughs> Syracuse. Uh, the big one, number one. USF, no, Cincinnati. We went different ways on that. The, <laughs> the, the AAC championship game. <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati. Um, yeah. This is probably going to make me look bad in a few months, but I'm not even like 1% worried about the game. Like, I don't oh, think Christian. UCF is going to lose. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but I'm not. Cincinnati is not going to be anywhere near as good this year as people think. They're just assigned. They're doing exactly what they did with 2019 UCF and 2020 UCF, where they're assigning what happened in a past season. They lost nine guys to the NFL. That is incredibly impressive. Like that's a lot of guys drafted. It also means they're not on your team anymore. And unlike UCF, who has built up through the portal, Cincinnati's building up through recruiting, which that's great. They're recruiting really well. Those guys from their great class last year just aren't going to be ready for two more years. So 
And it's at home where Cincinnati does not beat UCF except for 2020 when there were no freaking fans in the stadium and UCF, and Cincinnati fans, excuse me, can't get that basic fact through their freaking heads. So I'm just not worried about the game. UCF fans are going to bring it. The stadium's going to be packed. It's going to be loud. Cincinnati, frankly, just doesn't get a whole lot of atmospheres like that. Oh, they won at Notre Dame. The bounce house is louder than Notre Dame Stadium. I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm totally comfortable saying that. I don't think people realize how loud the bounce house is. Bailey's just smiling because I'm digging a grave for myself. Let's not I forget. I hate, I hate all of this. But it is like I, that's, that's. I don't. That's the problem. The problem is you're saying so many things. Where I'm like, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But so even the Notre Dame thing, I have to that. defend that before that gets clipped because that's happened to me before in this podcast. Oh. It, it is the thing people don't get about the bounce house is you're. I'm not sitting here being like, yeah, that's right. The bounce house has ninety thousand fans, but with these old blue blood style stadiums that are not in the South, like Notre Dame or Michigan and stadiums like that, they're really not that loud. There's a ton of people, but they're really not that loud. And UCF stadium is freaking loud. The difference as it's been described to me by people who have been in those big stadiums and big in UCF stadium is the differences in those stadiums. They get loud and it's loud as hell in a way UCF can't match for big moments, like a big run, a score. UCF is just never quiet. They are screaming at you from the start of the game to the end of the game, whether it's second down or a critical third down, they are screaming and screaming and screaming. And it gets to you because it's relentless and there's no break. So from that perspective, I, I mean, Brandon Wimbush played them both. And I think he said UCF's was louder. So I just, you know, and from, I don't, from Cincinnati Notre Dame doesn't play in a whole lot of environments like that. From that Notre Dame game too, I think there are a lot of Cincinnati fans there because it was it's a close, like regionally it's close. Which, listen, props to them. I'm not trying to, like the fact that Cincinnati got a huge contingent of fans oh, yeah. to Notre Dame Stadium and won at Notre Dame is really impressive. I'm not trying to take away from that, but I think since that's been a lot of Cincinnati fans defense for UCF is what we won at Notre Dame. It's like you did, but you also had a really good team last year. And I don't think you're going to have a team that good this year. And that's, that's where like, I don't disagree with much of what you're saying. It's just, I don't like tempting fate like that. Cincinnati's going to lose week one. They're literally going to lose the Arkansas. Yeah, I can see it. And I think that will be a big wake up call for a lot of people that 2022 Cincinnati is not 2021 Cincinnati. Until I see something like that happen, though, like I can't just go into the game and be like, oh, UCF's gonna, they're gonna win. Like it's just gonna be, I'd still think like I, if I had picked, if I had to call that game right now, I would say UCF will win. But I'm I not don't even worried. Feel confident. I got to say, like, you're not even worried. That's, I don't, yeah, I don't but you know it. how much of a wor- worrier I am. Yeah, so that that's should have weird weight. about that. This. Should have weight to you that it's like that, that. That means I mean it, you know? Yeah, but I don't know. I just also think like, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm worried about that game. It's, you know, it's going to be one of the, it, we both have it as the one we're most excited for. I think it's going to be the biggest game of UCF season. I think so. Um, I think there's a very real chance that that game is going to decide an AAC title game bid as well. Yeah. Um, as like, Houston see, is off on the that. side, just playing out of the good teams in the league, freezing <laughs> to their AAC I can see it too, where bid. people forget too that that team, the Cincinnati team that came into the bounce house for game day, that was a good team. It was just a young team. And so I feel like it's probably going to be a similar, like, stature of team like that's going to be a good Cincinnati team that comes to the bounce house at the end of October but they're going to be young they're going to have a new quarterback they're going to have a new you know guys all over and so that's why I do feel good like if I had to call it now yes I think UCF will win but I can't just be like it's it's a foregone conclusion it's a foregone conclusion all right I'm not worried all right (laughs) this you know the worst part about this too is like I'm I'm being cautious about this and if UCF wins like that's going to be awesome. 
But then if UCF wins, you're going to be like, I knew it. I was never scared about this game. And you're going to get to have a victory lap that I don't feel is earned. I just feel um, like. Don't worry. I won't be victory lapping on this podcast for UCF fans. I have many, many things to say to Cincinnati fans on Twitter once UCF wins that game. So you don't have to worry about me being like, I called it. I have many other things to say on Twitter. <laughs> I'll, I'll remember that. All yeah, right. You want to go, go through it. our lists? Um, just 12 to one. Yep. Just to wrap this up. Why not? All right. Uh, I'll go first. FAU, number 12, number 11, Tulane, number 10, Navy, number 9, ECU, number 8, SC State, number 7, Temple, number 6, Georgia Tech, number 5, South Florida, number 4, SMU, number 3, Memphis, number 2, Louisville, and number 1, Cincinnati. I had Navy at 12, FAU at 11, South Carolina State at 10, Tulane at 9, ECU at 8, USF at 7, the Space Game at 6, SMU at 5th, Georgia Tech at 4th. Memphis at third, Louisville at second, and Cincinnati at first. USF being that low is still surprising to me for you. Surprises me too, man. But I just I tried to put it higher, and I'm like, nah. I like I care more about these other things, like All Georgia right. Tech. So interesting. I would never have thought that you were going to care more about the Georgia Tech game than the USF game. We're though. P five now. Why would I care about some random group of five game? Oh my gosh, that's Not what UCF fans are supposed to be like. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> we're P five soon. Why am I supposed to care about oh. some random P five game? Anyway, fair enough. All right, football news. There's um, more of it got added. I was so happy. Like just uh, throughout the day, I think I got like four more pieces of news to go through because I do this time like rolling as the week goes on, like what's going to be on the news next week. And there was like one thing all of last week through the week and through the weekend. Uh, the first piece is Mary Vander Heiden. I don't know if I say that right. Mary Vander Heiden was named Florida Sports Medicine Person of the Year by the Athletic Trainers Association of Florida. Um, I know she played a big role in Mackenzie Milton's recovery and, you know, he's always had great things to say about her. Everybody at UCF always has great things to say about her. I didn't know this, that she's been a full-time part of UCF's sports medicine staff since 01. That is a very long time. It was three years old at the time. That was like four um, conferences ago. When you put it like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, congratulations to her. That's awesome. Um, I know Gus tweeted something out about it. Uh, from his account and just get a lot of accolades over or a lot of congratulations over the weekend. Um, UCF is in the top 12. I didn't know if people were doing top 12s now uh, for Rockledge four-star defensive back Jalen Hayward. Uh, they're in the top 12 with Miami, Oklahoma, LSU, Oregon, Ohio State, Michigan, Alabama, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Florida, and Georgia. And that's a top 50 player. So that's cool. How many like, of those like teams said, in like that top said, 12 have even talked to him in the last like, month? I mean, like you said, when you texted me about it, you were like, this literally means nothing, but hey, it's a top 50 player. Well, it basically was like, I thought it was notable because A, UCF's not going to get him. B, 12 teams is a lot. But C, it was like 11 blue bloods in UCF. So that was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, I'd say 10 blue bloods, Tennessee and UCF. Tennessee's a blue blood. They are. They're not good and haven't been for 20 years, but that doesn't change that they're a blue blood. <laughs> I just think it's so stupid. Blue blood's it's not a thing that blood. is like earned or taken away. It's just a status thing, you know? I don't like it. Okay. Um, UCF Athletics agreed to a 13-year, $125 million multimedia rights deal with Playfly. Uh, it's going to be voted on by the Board of Trustees on Tuesday. Uh, Jason Beattie of the Orlando Sentinel wrote a story on it. Go read that. Um, it noted that the, the agenda for the Board of Trustees um, meeting says uh, this new agreement is among the largest multimedia rights agreements in this country and one of the largest in the Big 12. I just like UCF getting more and more money. Like every week, it seems yeah. like they're announcing more money in some way. There are pros and cons to this because UCF's giving up a level of control that they've had for a while now, but and it's a very long deal, which also worries you too because that, I expect yeah. that uh, UCF's multimedia rights will be worth a lot more 13 years from now than they are now. 
especially look at what they would have been worth 13 years ago what was 13 years ago like 2008 2009 like there's no comparison so ucf hadn't even won a bowl game yet so it's that was the one thing that stuck out to me i was like 13 years like because i know i was thinking about that earlier with the acc in terms of like when they were doing their tv rights and stuff like a lot can change in that amount of time so when you lock yourself into a, a deal like that I don't know if there's like any outs of it. I think there is an out like UCF will have to pay it's a, a pretty amount of hefty yeah, out. It, I mean, it's, it's like I said, there's pros and cons. It's still UCF's getting nine million. I mean, UCF's going to get more from that per year than they are from their AAC TV payout. So it's, yeah. it's good. It's just there's pros and cons. Yeah. Um, um, the other big recruiting news, Miami Central three-star wide receiver Lamar Seymour committed to Pitt on Monday. Um, so UCF lost out on that yep. one. You know, it's we said on the last po- on the end of the last podcast, like stop being the first visit for recruits. This is exactly what happens. That was writing on the wall. That was another player that UCF was like, OMG, wow, we landed him. And then he took three more visits and whoops, not coming to UCF anymore. So and he's at Pitt. Yeah. I just uh, I don't like Pitt. Bailey was really um, upset that it was Pitt of all schools. Yeah, it's just like it's just I don't I don't like Pitt. Like, why would you go to Pitt? <laughs> I don't know. The weather. Um, all right, yeah. UCF announced uh, DJ Mangas as an addition to its staff as an analyst um, on Monday and then some other pieces late, later on Monday. UCF was ranked number 17 in Phil Steele's preseason top 25. That's the highest ranked group of five team, which that surprised me. Like, I know, that surprised like, we me have, too. I know we have high expectations for UCF. Some people think like, oh, yeah, UCF could be like you know, on, a, on a better trajectory this year, but I didn't think like somebody nationally like that would put them in the top 25 to start the season. Even not, I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, I don't 17? know if I agree with that, that UCF is one of the 17 best teams. I hope that they reach that, but I don't starting them. There is certainly something. I'm surprised enough that they're in the top 25, much less their number 17. And what's like funny were, is I would be, if they really, were number 25, I would have been like, Oh wow. Cool. I would be but, really surprised if UCF's ranked to the AP poll, the oh, preseason AP poll. I don't I expect imagine. that. I think they'll be getting I, some votes, but like, I don't know. I'm not even certain they'll get votes. People take Phil Steele seriously, though. So maybe that yeah. can get some momentum going. Not like you said it's going to be better because of that, but like as far as AP poll votes, you know. Yeah. Uh, and last piece of news that came like uh, you sent this to me like right before we got on the podcast UCF added New Hampshire to its 2024 schedule. So that's a barn burner right there. It's going to be, I can't wait to see where we rank that game on our excitement level. So uh, UCF's non conference slate that year is Florida, Liberty, and New Hampshire, which is the weirdest grouping of teams. Like, imaginable especially considering we didn't know new hampshire existed until like well the, we knew the state existed let me put that out there um we just we were aware of the existed. state we were yeah. less aware of the fcs team in the state <laughs> right to be totally clear what's their right. mascot can you tell oh, me right now i can't are you looking this up or am i gonna look it up i'm gonna look it up okay um well i should have looked it up because you're going to tweet of the week oh but... it's fine i already have it they are the wildcats very original oh, and unique names i thought it was gonna be something cool like I thought it was going to be State like the, the Minutemen or like something. Oh. All those northern states love that they did the revolution. I figured it'd be something like the, the Youngstown Penguins. The New Hampshire Boston Tea Party or something like that. I guess that doesn't make sense because well, Boston's just not New Hampshire. Well, <laughs> anyway. right, well, before we go any further on that, let's get your tweet of the week and then get out of here. Tweet of the week. So I have a context tweet to get to tweet of the week. So some guy who I don't know who they are, but it got a lot of likes. Oh, he's the CFB national editor at fifth quarter. Okay, cool. Anyway, that guy tweeted... <laughs> Hot take, unless Oregon and Washington join the Big 12, UCF could be running that conference within 10 years. Orlando is a growing market and Central Florida has a ton of talent. If they can capitalize on this, they can make the big three a big four. And um, that's not pretty, tweet of the week. Like, pretty, do sure I, that guy, pretty sure that guy's a USF alum. Yeah, I think he is. But also like, yeah, he is. He's from South Florida. At the same time, I don't really agree with that. I've said my take on the Big 12 before is I don't think there's going to be any like 
one team running that league. I think all those programs are very similarly set up and you're going to see a lot of rotation at the top, but whatever, that's not tweet of the week. I'm never going to make tweet of the week. Someone saying UCF could be a power. That's, you know, come on. Tweet of the week goes to uh, at go dogs, 89, who's a Washington fan who replied and said, a lot of cheap talk. Pac-12 North would crush UCF. The whole team? Oregon, (laughs) Washington, and Stanford every year. Nice November snow game in Pullman. Add Utah. For some reason, Utah is in all caps and Colorado. UCF talent at 58 ranked is not even close. So my favorite part is all the the UCF fans who are replying and just saying, yes, Stanford would crush us from the 2019 score when Stanford came to Orlando and was run out of the stadium. And one of the most brutal beatdowns I've seen from a UCF team in the last probably five years. Um, I would add on top of that, that like, I know Washington has a very big stadium and has been around for a very long time outside of a literal three-year stretch a few years ago. They have not been a good program for about 25 years. And they are not good now. They lost to Montana this year. They lost to Montana and I went four and tweet, eight. Though. I just like I UCF fans I liked take it better, crap. Though. I liked it better when I thought like the idea of like a Pac-12 North All Star team would be easier. Would like, come at UCF. Yeah, yeah, the All Star team might do it. But I mean, like Oregon, <laughs> I'll give you. Oregon's really good. Like I would take UCF against any Pac-12 team that's not Oregon, and not even think twice about it. We I looked at the stat once. The Pac-12 is like one in seven against the AAC in the past five years. Yeah, the like Pac-12 it's not, not a good, good conference. conference. It's <laughs> a re- it's people don't understand how talentless that conference is. I understand it has money. I understand it has some notable brands. It is not good at football. And frankly, I don't know how much the West Coast cares about football. So I'm just not worried. Like I just. The fact that a Washington fan of all fans could think that, especially given that Washington is just not good, it, it was something. Definitely something. I love that tweet. I think that might have been my favorite. Like, in terms of, like, not, like, my favorite Tweet League segment, but, like, I think that tweet itself that you picked was my favorite tweet that you've used because it's just – Really? It was fun. I don't know. It was fun. I liked it. It was so well, aggressive. Glad I can so bring... aggressive and just out there. I just – I w- want to talk to that guy. Probably not, though. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening um, to us talk about these opponents on UCF's 2022 schedule. I did have this thought I wanted to say earlier. Doing this next year for a Big 12 schedule, I feel like it's going to be a little bit more fun. The excitement like, level is not going to have too many teams at the bottom. Right. I'll tell you that. It's going to be harder to pick the bottom, not because, like, they're all, like, bad, but it's because, like, they're all new and fresh and fun. Also, I think the non-conference is pretty decent. You got Boise State. Um, yeah. Kent State. Kent State might be on the bottom. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and lock them in right there now Kent State for next year's rankings <laughs> remember future Christian and Bailey Kent State Kent State well then who's the I think it's an FCS? FCS I don't yeah, know if I mean, we know who it is somebody. yet oh yeah. maybe not mm. it's not New well, Hampshire so no that's that barn burner is not till 2024 but then uh, again thank you guys so much for listening we'll be back next week with episode 83 of the Pegasus podcast but until, until then you can find us on Twitter at Bailey J Adams 22 at by CA Simmons and at Night Sports Now. Once again, thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody.